Welcome to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. I'm Shang Peng, Editor-in-Chief of San Jose Hockey Now. You can find me at San Jose Hockey Now, NBC Sharks, and on Twitter at Shang underscore Peng. And I'm Keegan McNally. You can find me at San Jose Hockey Now, as well as at my website, half-wallhockey.com, and on Twitter at half underscore hockey dot, or at half underscore hockey. Um, this week, we've got a very exciting episode with a... Um, interesting player interview to to talk about but um, <laughs> yeah today Shang, we have uh, mario ferraro uh coming right out of the captain's skate i spoke with mario and the sharks alternate captain talks about his youtube channel youngest of plugs coming back in full <laughs> effect he's had two episodes on the last couple of weeks also too, he talked about the eric carlson trade and the balance for himself between wanting to add more to his game but not doing too much yeah, I think, um, you know, his YouTube channel is going to come for ours in terms of popularity. So we got to watch out. I, I think I think it's I think uh, we want we're coming for his. Yeah, his, his channel <laughs> is definitely That's more it. popular than ours. So, yeah, for sure. Um, if you haven't checked it out, it's a great YouTube channel. It's a, it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, but uh, this week we've got a, tiny bits of Sharks news. Not a whole lot. It's still I think in the next like two, three weeks, we're going to have lots of news. Yeah, rookie um, based on next week. Yeah, exactly. But. Um, right now, all we've got to talk about is the uh, rookie face-off roster being released, um, some Doug Wilson news, and then we also have a an interesting topic to discuss about the future of the Sharks franchise. Basically, what happens if a rebuild goes wrong or right, and what makes a successful rebuild? I think it was a it's an interesting time to talk about that subject because rebuild is on the minds of Sharks fans. Um, but let's start with Sharks news. So. This uh, this week, the uh, rookie faceoff roster uh, was released. Uh, the rookie faceoff is a cool tournament. Um, it's something that the NHL has been kind of promoting in the past couple of years. Um, it's not uncommon in the past to have like small scrimmages between clubs, that kind of thing, to showcase your rookies, your your upcoming prospects. But it feels like every year the rookie faceoff uh, tournaments get bigger and bigger. Um, so this year, the the Sharks um, are going to be participating in a, um, a rookie face-off with themselves, L.A., Arizona, Colorado, and Vegas from September 15th to the 18th. Um, and today, the Sharks released their, their rookie face-off uh, roster. Shang, did you get a look at the roster? What were some of your impressions from it? Yeah, um, I was surprised. I think uh, to some degree, maybe we all are. I uh, wasn't sure if William Eklund was going to be on it just because uh, he's an older player. And mm -hmm. Thomas Bortolo, too. And so, actually, they're bringing Thomas Bortolo also, Daniel Gushin, Tristan Robbins, and Henry Thrun. So, a lot of uh, NHL experience, I think, uh, uh, relative for uh, rookie face-off uh, roster. And so, that kind of uh, caught my eye. But, of course, you know, for a guy like Eklund uh, coming off his uh, shoulder injury, you know, maybe it's a good way to kind of get get back into the, the speed of things. Uh, but, anyway, I thought that they, they might hold him off for actual preseason. Um, but mm -hmm. anyway, it's a good sign that he is on the men. Uh, also, too, I think uh, I caught, caught my eye that not a lot of uh, not a lot of the Sharks to 2023 uh, uh, draft picks are, are coming to this. I think, sure. well, some of them are NCAA things like Will Smith and um, mm -hmm. um, Brandon Sabota. So those are NCAA things. Right. But like. Uh, yep. um, so right now we have uh, Quentin Musty, first rounder, second rounder, Casper Halton in, and uh, fourth rounder, uh, Luca Cagnoni. 
Um, yep. And I'm also interested in watching too. You know, this is going to be kind of our first chance to watch uh, uh, Valtteri Pulley, Magnus Krona, and Georgie Romanov against a competition that isn't internal, isn't the Sharks. Uh, they all these guys are at development camp, but of course, that's just against their fellow Sharks. And also, too, uh, caught my eye that um, only uh, uh, three invites and all of them from the queue and all forwards sure. uh, Ben yeah, Allison, be Felix uh, Gagnon, and uh, Joseph Henenberry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the all of the um the Q Acadie Bathurst like connections there. I, I was interested to see how that came about. I, I guess we'll have to try and dig a little more to find out how that happened, <laughs> where those people came from. They had a couple. They have a couple of um guys from the Barracuda from last year that were playing at the end of the season that are going to kind of carry over into this tournament, which is interesting. Um, my like. Uh, Sticking pointer, or obviously the people that you mentioned are, are interesting, but Gannon LaRock is going to play, mm, um, which yeah, will be his yeah, first yeah. action in eight months, I think, since January, where he had like five games for Victoria um, before going back on the injured list uh, from his hip. Well, so, let's uh, uh, let's not let's not forget though that uh, during Dev Camp, uh, guys like William Eklund were on the roster, but they didn't play in a prospect scrimmage. So I guess it's no guarantee that these guys will play. But I, yeah, sure. chances are they'll play. And uh, Todd Marchand told us on the first episode that again would be uh, should be ready for uh, for the rookie faceoff. And well, here he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I thought that was really interesting that he's um, slotted in there. There's not a lot of right-handed D's on that team as well. It's got like Shakir Mukhamadul and. Uli, Thrun, Kenyoni, that all of these guys are lefties. Mm. Um, and and LaRock seems to be the only... Yeah, only LaRock and a Frisch. Frisch, yeah. yeah it was a, a Barracuda. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, um, obviously, like you said, we're missing a lot of the NCAA guys, like you know Will Smith, we're missing Brandon Svoboda, we're missing Cameron Lund, Michael Fisher, a couple of guys from the past two drafts. Um, and then we're, we're missing our... Two Swedish brothers um, that are not brothers, uh, Bistead and Havlet, who were drafted in the first and second round of 2022. Um, right, right, right. But they're the, in the uh, SHL. So. Yeah, they're playing, are already starting to play important games. Um, I think they're just wrapping up the preseason in the SHL. So it's not like a full complement of Sharks prospects for next uh, next week or two weeks from now, whatever it is. Um, but it's, you know, it's actually it's a pretty good showing like you said it's a pretty good looking group i mean i looked at just the the vegas roster and um you know the vegas is a good thing let's just say it's a good thing that they won the stanley cup uh, before they had to rely on their prospects to to carry them over to another wave of contention so it's a good thing that they Mm -hmm. have the chip i didn't actually see arizona's roster that would be interesting to see who they've got on there um i don't know if they got any oh they they haven't released it yet okay well i'm looking forward uh cooley should be there right so that's exciting yeah for sure. Uh, I just didn't know if they took any of the the two Russians that they drafted. Probably not. They're probably, probably not, off yeah. playing in Russia, but yeah, be interesting. Either way, um, super excited. Next week we'll have some coverage. Well, not really not next week's episode, but the week after, have some coverage about uh, the rookie. I'll be uh, in Vegas. So. <laughs> oh yeah, you're gonna you're gonna follow the team there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. Cool. That's so my job, Keegan. <laughs> I, I've heard that before, that that might be your job. <laughs> you know, it's the off-season. I don't know when people get back from, you know. It's not the off-season. The off-season. I, I was no, at the captain's gate today, so. This is true. Off-season is over. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of um, uh, guys that are no longer in their off-season mode, mm. Doug Wilson. That's good, a segue. good segue. That's a really good segue. <laughs> so, Doug Wilson. 
uh, obviously famed general manager for the San Jose Sharks, uh, former general manager, has been hired by the Pittsburgh Penguins as senior advisor of hockey operations. Um, this is after Kyle Dubas was promoted or transferred to the role of GM after being named uh, president of, or no, uh, I actually don't know what his former job title was, but he was transferred to the GM role and DW is coming in as a senior advisor. But yeah, no, Shang- Dubas is, I think, both president of hockey operations and GM. Uh, okay, so he I, was. I, mean, I, I read the Penguins press release about about Doug. So <laughs> the full I didn't know if he transferred over to GM and, and left. No, he just has role. both titles. So. He just has both. Yeah, <laughs> but anyways, Shang, your thoughts on Doug Wilson coming out of retirement to join um, the Pittsburgh staff? Well, he's not coming out of retirement because he never actually uh, retired. But um, no, it's great though. Yeah, uh, Doug obviously had to step down for uh, medical reasons at the beginning of the 2022-23. Uh, I'm sorry, 2021-22 season, and um, stepped down uh, later that year. And, you know, we weren't really sure what his next step was going to be, and we saw him come back to San Jose for Doug Wilson Appreciation Night, which was early in the season. But at that point, it still seemed. I mean, he it seemed like he was pretty good, but maybe didn't quite seem like uh like like he was necessarily going to come back he did say back then he wanted to come back but again we weren't sure that the health was going to cooperate but um yeah it's it's i think it's it's uh it's a it's fantastic news and if you're uh, kyle dubas um there's obviously a, a great resource uh, of knowledge obviously doug wasn't just the gm of the sharks he was director of player personnel uh he's worked with the nhlpa hockey canada and then obviously before that he was a hall of fame player with the sharks and the blackhawks so um so there's all kinds of experience to lean on there and of course everybody has noticed it's just hilarious to think about um, we're coming on the five-year anniversary of the eric carlson trade to san jose and who would have thought on september 13th 2018 when that trade went down that five years later we'd be talking about eric and doug still together but in pittsburgh yeah um i'm very happy for doug wilson i think this is a um seems like the right fit for him yeah yeah, yeah. you know his, his you know health issues and everything um by retirement i mean like semi-retirement stoppage it was an interesting (laughs) kind of way that that he left san jose um and and we didn't really know if he was going to come back to the nhl in in this kind of capacity but i you know i think he's a smart hockey mind he's been that way for 20 30 years he should be in hockey so you know i'm happy for him um i'm not i have a little bit of a little bit of a, a tiny twinge of being upset that it's back to the penguins because you know oh right because the 2016 the, final too right so it feels <laughs> it feels a little bit like they're trying to rekindle some of that like magic that doug wilson had with the end of the sharks like veterans that's and a, actually an excellent that. point like which team in mm-hmm. angel probably most reminds you of the the 2015-16 sharks veterans like Thornton and Marlowe and uh, you know Pavelski was older at that point too. Yeah, it could it could be the Penguins. probably the Penguins. Obviously, yeah. the Penguins have all the cups to back it up, but you know <laughs> that's here neither here nor there. Um, I am still <laughs> let's not let's not cloud the 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 issue with facts. All right, <laughs> but Shang, I mean, you know, I'm just full of good segues today. Um, I don't know if you noticed, um, but speaking of former cup winners, 
um, <laughs> what we're going to do today in our in our main. And speaking segment. of Doug Wilson, actually, and how Doug Wilson uh, Doug built teams. <laughs> yeah, this is you know what this is a perfect segue. Um, we're going to talk about what makes a Stanley Cup winner. Um, what makes a a team go from zero to hero? What makes a team uh, win the Stanley Cup in the NHL? And this is going to go back, you know, to about the the beginning of the salary cap out. era, because that's yeah, yeah. the salary cap era. That's when you have that 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 limit on how much you can spend that changes kind of mm-hmm. the calculation of you know. Then obviously, uh, ELCs and bridge contracts and younger mm-hmm. players sort of you know become uh, more important in some ways. Let's call it the modern NHL when you can no longer uh, smoke cigarettes on the bench and <laughs> um, I don't know all sorts of or light things. money on fire and spend it on or light money on Theo, fire and Theo Fleury Yager, and Valerie Kaminsky if you're the Rangers. So yeah, give Yager fourteen million dollars and nobody else get anything on your team. That kind of thing. <laughs> the the modern era of the NHL. Yeah. So um, what we're gonna do is basically talk about the ways that uh, you can build a team. Because there's a lot of talk basically about what happens if the Sharks don't succeed in this rebuild or what happens if the Sharks are too good next year. Well, yeah, what specifically this year, right? The 2023-24 season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I read some comments like what the Sharks actually are kind of good because, you know, they picked up a lot of uh, reclamation projects, but guys that had been good before, like, Duclair and Granlin and Hoffman and somehow it magically comes together and a team ends up like a 10th place team in the West, not 10th place in the NHL, 10th place in the West, or even they, they eke out a a wild card spot. And what does that Mm -hmm. do? You know, how, you know, does that ruin the, the, the rebuild? Because all of a sudden, instead of picking in the top five, like you're hoping for, uh, you're all of a sudden, you know, you're picking number 10 or 15 or something like that. Yeah. And it's, Important to keep in mind that the Sharks already have one top five pick on their, you know, in their repertoire, I guess. Yeah, and a number spent. seven in Eklund, too. They have a number seven in Eklund, and they also theoretically should have a number three in Stutzla. Not that we're counting no. that one or anything. <laughs> we definitely, but yeah, the facts. Yeah, that. The point, you the point is. That. <laughs> no, no. I mean, but the point is the Sharks have been bad for a while sure. and yes. they're bad enough to get high picks. That's mm-hmm. like the, the baseline thing They're They're bad enough that even if they succeed a little bit, um, say like they get the 11th overall pick, like they did in 2022, um, they're still going to get good players out of the drafts because they were keeping all of their picks, right? Sure. They're not trading them away. Well, so they traded back to get more picks. And uh, yeah, so far, they trade back. you know, let's look, let's look good who they've traded, uh, traded uh, or who they've selected with the picks they traded for. Mm-hmm. Point is they're bad. And uh, <laughs> they're probably going to continue to be bad no matter if they're first, second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever they are going to be. So let's let's start with um, the 2006 um yeah, we're going to go through winners. all the Stanley Cup winners in the salary cap era. But before we jump mm-hmm. to the 2006 uh, Hurricanes, I wanted to mention, too, that, you know, uh, Keegan and I have talked a lot about it, kind of where, where we see what the Sharks are, are doing, our opinion of it. And what what we kind of term it as or see it as is something like a hybrid rebuild, uh, whereas there is obviously emphasis on draft picks and and stockpiling draft picks, or if you're uh, going to trade trade draft picks, you're often you're trading back for more picks. Um, and so there's emphasis on draft picks, on prospect development. Uh, so that's that's the rebuild part of it, but it's coupled with 
trying to fill the competitive team still, you know, not trying to necessarily bottom out. Uh, last year, the Sharks emphasized signing guys, I would say more uh, high competitive guys, right? High compete guys, guys like Sturm, like Benning, um, uh, trading for Cunin, uh, trading for uh, uh, Lawrence. Um, so guys like that, that seems sort of to be like, so if you look at maybe last off season as more of a culture, trying to uh, establish the culture that, that Mike wanted in place along with stalwarts uh, that they trusted like Logan Couture and Tomas Hurdle, adding guys, again, those culture guys. Right. And this past off season has a little bit more about, um, maybe just kind of uh, taking swings on guys uh, that can maybe if they all hit, maybe the team is surprisingly good. Or if they don't, you know, a couple of those guys are good. You can flip them for what? More draft picks. Right. And, you know, they added nobody uh, that uh, has a contract longer than two years. So go down the line, Granlin, Rudda, Hoffman, uh, Duclair, Zadina. So guys that, um, you know, are big names. Most of them are big names. And uh, most of them are seen as having uh uh, upside like a like a Zadina or uh, in the in the recent past uh basically everybody else uh they've been highly productive NHL players and so again so it's a little bit of both you know it's kind of uh you know they are rebuilding mm -hmm. but are also trying to trying to be uh trying to be competitive and you know you, you hear a lot of pushback toward that in terms of well why aren't the Sharks just out and out tanking and what I, I think the research that I've done showed is besides looking, and I think uh, a lot of the research into this kind of stuff, I feel is limited to just the cup winners. And I think that's too limiting. It's not just about, it sounds kind of, it sounds kind of counterintuitive, but it's not just about winning the cup. Uh, GMs, like there is no sure way to win a cup. There's no formula you can follow and you'll win a cup. Absolutely sure. Right. But what sure. you can try to do is you try to build a team that is good enough to win the Stanley Cup. And mm -hmm. then, then at that point, you're hoping for a few bounces, a few whatever, right, to get you the ultimate prize, right? But that's really the best you can do as a GM uh, is just to build a team that's in the conversation for uh, for a, a good number of years. And so I want to look beyond just the cup winners, but also uh, teams, uh, uh, groups of teams that didn't win the didn't win the cup uh examples of that just to not 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 gonna give all of them away right now but you know we're going to talk about the the ducks uh uh the recent ducks at uh, 2015 2017 western conference finalists and they also had a five-year kind of playoff run there um the new york rangers uh 2012 2014 2015 so three or four years they made the eastern conference finals they made the final one year and of course, we'll also touch on Doug Wilson's Sharks, too, uh, who, you know, don't need to get. We all know sort of the, the, the tortured uh, uh, history of, of, uh, of uh, Doug's uh, teams, but they were also highly successful in a lot of ways, too, which we'll, we'll touch on. And so anyway, um, I think the, the end point that, that, that we're going to, 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 to come to and see what you guys think is that there's really a lot of ways to, to build a winner, you know, many ways to skin a cat, so to speak. It's not just tank, tank, tank. It's not even just like, just get top picks and that's all you need. And so we'll kind of sure. dive into that. Um, but uh, part of the focus too, is to point out too, that a lot of these top picks on cup teams, they didn't happen because the teams are trying to tank. 
and we'll we'll get into that uh, what 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 that means. But anyway, uh, um, before I get more sidetracked, let's start with the 2006 Hurricanes. We're just kind of kind of run through these teams. We're not going to give uh, a long uh, long bios on all these teams, but the 2006 Hurricanes. So they're a really interesting team. If you look at that roster, they had just one kind of top five pick that played a big role on the team. That was Eric Stahl, the number two pick of the 2003 draft. If you look at the rest of the team, uh, Justin Williams was a younger player, but they acquired him via trade. Uh, their goalie, Cam Ward, a great performance that you know that year kind of came out of nowhere. He was a first-round pick, but he was the 25th pick. But if you look at the rest of the team, and I try to look at, I try to weigh it on, on ice. I just looked at ice time in the playoffs, basically, sure. and just who was used the most for forwards and defense. And uh, Brenda Moore on a team, Brett Hedekin, a Sharks uh, a broadcaster, um, oh, okay. Aaron Ward, the defenseman Aaron Ward, Corey, uh, Corey Stillman, um, Cabrilla, uh, Thomas. No, wait, no, Frantisek. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting confused. There's two Cabrilla. I think it's Frantisek. Uh, Mark Recchi and Doug Waite of the Sharks. Now these guys are all thirty somethings, and it's a really interesting team. You don't see a lot of teams kind of built like that uh, uh, these days, but they they want a Stanley Cup. And I think the one thing I want to point out, you know, their one premium pick here, Eric Stahl. Uh, sure. The, two, the 2002-03 Hurricanes. That's the year that Stahl got drafted. That team was not designed to be a tank team. Uh, that team mm-hmm. actually had made the final the year before 2002. It was a little of an upset trip to the final, surprise trip to the final, but they, they made it a final. The next year, um, according to the Hockey News Yearbook, which, of course, you guys know I've been leaning a lot recently, we have the our, our top five Sharks prospects, top ten Sharks prospects discussion uh, through the yeah. Hockey News. Anyway, though, uh, the 2002-03 Hockey News Yearbook picked the Hurricanes to be eighth in the East. So that doesn't sound like a tank team. Just what happens? You know, guys get old all of a sudden. Just the team isn't is is isn't what they expected, uh, and they end up they land with the they land the number two pick, but they weren't trying. They weren't tanking. Yeah, hundred percent. The um, they got a combination of extremely good veterans at the same time mm-hmm. as having one like you know I think it was. Eric Stahl's second season, I think 03 yeah. 04. He, he had 100 had, points that year. I think that was his. Yeah, 03 04 yeah. had a good season. And then the yeah. 05 06, he was like lights out. And, mm-hmm. you know, he had that benefit of having a year off in the middle of it to sure, kind of sure. develop yeah, a little bit more um, when the 04 05 season kind of got canceled. But yeah, it was it was a lightning in a bottle kind of, kind of team. And, and it showed because the next, you know, little while, I don't think the Hurricanes were very good for the yeah. next few years after that. So. Just an interesting thing. It was, yes, they had a good pick, but it's not like every single player was a high pick and they tanked for years to get right. it, and then they finally won their cup kind of thing. So I think we could firmly say this one is not a tanking team that won the cup. What I do don't think? think so, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. All right, we're going to do this judgment after every single one. Is, was <laughs> sure. it a tanking team or was it not that won this cup? So we've got one to zero right now. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the 2007 uh, Anaheim Ducks who won the cup. Uh, right. And that team, uh, um, they had no high picks of their own, really, uh, at least mm. as like in key, in key, key roles. I mean, uh, Ryan Getzlaw was an important player on the team, but he was the 19th pick uh, of, sure. of his of his draft year. And uh, obviously they had uh, Chris Pronger and Scott Niedemeyer, who were very, very high picks back in the day. But I don't think they count because obviously Chris Pronger was acquired via trade. Scott Niedemeyer was a UFA. 
Um, another important defenseman on that team, a Bolshevik, who's kind of uh, forgotten in that group. He played 30 minutes a night in the playoffs, and he was acquired via trade. Uh, their goalie, J.S. Jaguar, was acquired via trade. Um, guys like uh, Tamo Solani, but Tamo Solani was a high pick back in the day, but the, um, he was, I think, 36 at this point. He was a UFA signing, uh, coming back to Anaheim after a few years away. Uh, Sammy Paulson played a lot, a great uh, third-line two-way center. He was acquired via trade. Uh, Rob Niedermeyer, um, I believe he was a, a – uh, hmm, I don't remember if he was UFA or trade, but he wasn't drafted by the Ducks. He was a high pick by the Panthers sure. a long time ago. But once again, though, not drafted by the Ducks. And most interestingly in their roster, they they, uh, they gave a lot of minutes to Andy McDonald and Chris Kunitz. And those guys were both undrafted uh, college free agents. You know, kind of goes to show you that talent comes from a lot of places. But I think the point in the end, though, is that um, this is not a team that was built by Anaheim, uh, you know, you know, mm-hmm. pulling the cord and, and, and tanking either. Yeah, I think it it probably helped that they had Getzlaff and Corey Perry making very little money during that time period. Oh, sure, that's more especially Getzlaff yeah. because uh, Getzlaff mm-hmm. was a big part. I don't know if Perry was playing, but Perry wasn't as. Uh, that's why I didn't mention him because he's not. So he he wasn't in the, like the top six of uh, sort of uh, sure. ice time. 15, but Getzlaff was he had fifteen points in, in twenty one games. He did he did well. Yes, for being he did, like though. a yeah, rookie point. Year, yeah. fair yeah. rookie plus or something like that. But he um. But either way, they, they did benefit from those like young guys being cheap at the time because sure. this was like the, the salary cap era, uh, the beginning of it. Um, but you're right. Like it, it, the, the main guys on that team were dudes that from the 90s. Right. It was it was guys like <laughs> that's what we heard about dudes from the 90s. Yeah. Dudes from the 90s that were just <laughs> on a team together that, you know, they weren't trade. They weren't drafted. Really, they just were acquired and then they made if, I, if I remember correctly too uh scott Niedermeyer only signed with the ducks because they had rob on the team and so that's kind of like yeah. you know you built an yeah. all-time uh a defense and it's just because you had you employed yeah. uh one guy's brother who happened to be a pretty good player himself too i don't take anything yeah. away from rob Niedermeyer's <laughs> career but like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting stanley cup and they had j.s shiger which you know um it's, it's good that he got a cup too like <laughs> Um, but I, I think we can say that although Getzlaff and Perry, who were well, Getzlaff wasn't even a high pick, he was right. Perry was round. even later, Perry was, I think, 27th. I think, uh, well, yeah, yeah. 28th, yeah. 28th. Okay, yeah, so yeah. it's good that they were valuable, but they weren't, you know, top high picks. So right. we're gonna call it not a tanking, definitely team. not. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah, 100%. Just a competitive team that happened to win the cup at the right yeah. time. Um, and we're good for many years after that, too. They got we'll the, the, the the right kind of star, superstar veterans. And, you know, these guys, Pronger and Niedemar are in their 30s, but they aged well, which obviously doesn't always happen when you, uh, you know, uh, take uh, leaps of faith on older star players. Mm-hmm. Older star players. Speaking of older star players, we're going to move on to the 2008 <laughs> Detroit Red Wing. Oh, I'm good. I'm good at. Uh, <laughs> yeah, your your, your uh, segue uh, game is on point today. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the 2008 Wings. Um, the back to back Wings Penguins kind of thing. This is the first iteration. Right. Um, the 2008 Red Wings. What are what's our verdict? Tanking or no tanking? I mean, I think you look at the roster, it's pretty obvious. Um, you know, I look at some of the key names uh, that jump out. Uh, Litrum, obviously, Rafalski. Litrum was a late pick back in the day of the Red Wings. Rafalski was, I think, a college free agent that was signed by the Devils undrafted. Uh, Cronwall was an important defenseman for them. First round pick, but he was 29th. 
Uh, Zetterberg mm-hmm. and Datsuk, famously very late picks who turned out to be sure. Hall of Fame caliber players. Uh, Brad Stewart, a Sharks defenseman, was a high pick back in the day, but that was for the Sharks. And by the time he lined up with the Red Wings, uh, you know, he wasn't uh, – you know, necessarily a number one defenseman, whatever, right? And so uh, he, he landed via trade. And then Hashik, their goalie, obviously was much older, I think in his uh, early 40s. And then Johan Franz is another key player, but he was also another uh, late pick. And so, yeah, I think this is definitively not a team that is, you know, built by, uh, by the tank. I was just Googling when uh, Dominic Hoshik was drafted because I was very curious. He was drafted in the 10th <laughs> like 89, round. I think, or something like that. Yeah, I think the 80s. Yeah, he was drafted in the 80s. 80, 80, so 83. He, yeah, he wasn't in the 90s. Round. He was the 80s. <laughs> 10th round. Anyway, just <laughs> interesting little factoid. But, yeah, it's um, it's a team that um, they, you know, it's a holdover, right? Because they had a bunch of these guys that were on their prior sure. team. Mm-hmm. Early the prior dynasty teams, yep. Yeah, the prior dynasty that – kind of came together when they got Datsuk and Zetterberg to really, you know, be their, their first line players that they yeah, are. Carried a torch. Yeah. Because those guys were debuting back in 2002 mm-hmm. and, and 2003 yep. and back then. Sure. So it's not a tanking team because it's more like an end of a dynasty team, I think. And that there's not really any high picks that really kind of carried them in the playoffs. Really. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be a few in there that were missing or, or, or um, there might've been high picks in there, but I, I don't know. Not Again, I, I'm looking at, I, I know that there's going to be like, we're going to get to like the 2011 Bruins, right? But, and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll mention it. Uh, I'll just mention it in advance. Like, yeah, Tyler Sagan uh, was a number two pick, but he played 10 minutes a night in the Stanley Cup fine and Stanley Cup playoffs. And so yeah. that's not, yeah, like uh, that's kind of a, uh, uh, that's not a great example of, 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 a, of a high pick, you know, leading you to the cup. But anyway, uh, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> So we are 3-0 for mm-hmm. non-tanking teams. 2009, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think this might be the first time. What do you think, Shane? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, they're, they're an interesting team, too, because if you look at, you know, we've talked about the, the, the 2006 Hurricanes, 2007 Ducks, and 2008 Wings. The Penguins are the first Stanley Cup final team that, uh, in the post-cap era that's built by top five picks, really. Uh, mm. Top five picks by the team. Uh, um Crosby, Malkin, Stahl, and Flurry, Jordan Stahl, and uh, and Flurry. Uh, but when you look at how they landed on all these picks, right? Um, there's only one of these years that that I looked at the roster and thought, oh yeah, this team is trying to tank. <laughs> and so just uh, just a quick uh, quick run through of it. Um, so 2002-03, which led to the Flurry pick, uh, they still had Mario Lemieux on that team. And mm-hmm. I, so I don't think that they were thought of as a team that was, you know, going to out and out tank. I think they still had Kovalev. They had, a, they still had good players and they just weren't very good. And so they ended up, uh, they ended up uh, in, in the, you know, in, in the, in the junkyard. Um, maybe the Malkin year, that's 2003-04. They still had Mario, but they, the, the roster around Mario was, was very, very poor. And so maybe you can argue that they were gunning for Ovechkin and they ended up uh, with a pretty good consolation prize in, in Malkin. Um, the Crosby year, the 2005 draft, of course, if everyone remembers, there was no uh, season that year. And everyone actually had a chance at a number one pick in Sidney Crosby. The way the lottery worked for that was um, the teams that missed the playoffs all the years in the playoffs in previous years, they had, I think, three, uh, three lottery balls, teams like the Penguins, other teams that 
you know, blank missed the playoffs in the year in years prior. The Sharks uh, uh, weren't as lucky. The Sharks had just one lottery ball, but those are pretty good odds. though. those are odds that you take if you're the Sharks or any team that was uh, on a more competitive side in those days. You know, you have one lottery ball chance. It was 48, 48 overall lottery balls, and so the Penguins had a one of sixteen chance. The Sharks had a one of forty eight chance at Sidney Crosby and the number one pick. And the Sharks obviously uh, didn't didn't win out on that. But um, but yeah, that is definitely not. I mean, there is no tank to be to be had there. No one had any idea that the two thousand four oh five season would get canceled canceled and that that's how they would figure out that lottery and finally uh, the last one here jordan stall uh 2005-06 also not uh, a tank because if you look at that team ended up very poorly but remember that was Sidney crosby's rookie season that also was uh mayor lemieux's last season and so they tried to build uh they they added a lot of uh speaking of guys 90s guys right uh they signed an offseason ziggy palfi john leclerc Mark Recchi, you know, maybe not guys who were, they're not the 100 point players in their prime, 40 goal scorers like they were in their prime, but still very good players. And so they were trying to add, uh, a, a, you know, veterans around the Crosby, Flurry, Lemieux sure. kind of nucleus. And it just, blew up in their face <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and, and they ended up with, uh, with, with, uh, with, uh, the pick, uh, the number two pick, I think Jordan Stahl. And, um, Anyway, so my overall verdict on the on 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 the tank uh, uh, is th- I would say the 2004 Malcolm pick. Yes, I'm going to concede that one. But other years, sure. I, I would not say uh, so much. I would say just because they were bad all the other years. I, I know there's a lot of reasons why they weren't or were bad, and there was one year in there where they were just a really rough team, um, and, and Lemieux was getting older. Um, I don't know. I'd say I think we should rule it as they tanked. What sure, do you think? Fine. <laughs> All right. Or do you three fine. to one? I mean, I mean, obviously, a uh, tank. You know, if, if we give them even one of uh, four years where you can argue that they tanked, you know, um, then yeah, the tank helped them. You know, it, yeah, it helped them get involved right. too. So yeah, the you know, yeah. So it's tank plus just the ultimate luck of getting Malkin and Crosby in back to back years, kind of thing. That yep. is just you know astronomical can change any franchise so i right we'll do three to one 2010 chicago blackhawks right and so that one is 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 going to lend uh more toward the argument of 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 tanking you know obviously patrick kane uh 2007 i think that 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 team 2006 or seven blackhawks i think that that team did did kind of trend more toward that um uh, Taves though Taves was uh, the 2006 draft, I believe. Right, that's one that actually I'm gonna catch up. I didn't look up the uh, Taves year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was 2006. Is that right? Uh, Jonathan Taves is 2006, third overall. Yeah. So, so even though, uh, so that was obviously a high pick, but um, that's that off season. The oh, I'm sorry, this the off season before the. 2005-06 season, uh, the Blackhawks had had signed uh, Nikolai Javi Bullen, who had just won a Stanley Cup with the Lightning, to a big contract. So I don't think they were trying to tank when they ended up with Taves. So again, like the Penguins, you know, there's one year with Kane where yeah, may, yeah, you can kind of pointer that where maybe they didn't fill try to fill the best team. Definitely not the Taves year. Uh, but otherwise, though, if you look at the rest of that Blackhawks team, you know, they're just built with smart trades, late picks, and 
free agent signing. So guys like Niemi, who was a, uh, I think a free agent signing, uh, older free agent signing from Europe, but Duncan Keith was later picked. Uh, Seabrook was the 14th pick of his draft, but um, you know, again, not, that's not a high, high pick. Uh, Jarmuson, Brian Campbell, Dave Boland, Dave Boland was a second round pick. Uh, Marion Hulse, obviously a great player, but I think they acquired him UFA. Uh, Sharp, Patrick Sharp, uh, they stole him from the Flyers. He came from the Flyers organization. And Dustin Bufflin, late pick. And so um, overall, yes, obviously you get a Patrick Kane. You tank for him. That leads to success. Um, but, um, uh, but yeah, but uh, uh, other, uh, otherwise, besides that, I would say I would say that, uh, yeah, the, the, like Taves, again, uh, wasn't a tank here, I think. And the other interesting thing is that the Taves pick, like Kane obviously is his own kind of thing. Like Patrick Kane is a superstar and Taves in his own right was a star, I think. Um, But even in that draft, in the top 10 of that 2006 draft, there were like landmines in the top 10 that they could have drafted. Right. 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 It wasn't like Kane. Kane was the consensus. Number one, like any, I could have drafted Patrick Kane. Right. But (laughs) exactly. Right. But Jonathan Taves though, high pick, but still, yeah. If I was a GM, I could have been talked into drafting somebody else. (laughs) Yeah. So in that first round, they had Jordan Stahl second overall Mm -hmm. by Pittsburgh, which Jordan Stahl, an amazing third line center for his entire career. That's basically it. Maybe second line certain times, but, He's not Jonathan Taves. Sure. Um, Eric Johnson, a good middle pairing defenseman, maybe first line sometimes in his career. That's it for his entire career. That way he was number one overall. Um, right. You have Eric Brassard at six, Kyle Oposo at seven, Peter Mueller at eight, James Shepard at nine, Krolik at 10. Dudes that like, yeah, had they misstepped and just picked a different guy, they might not be getting to Stanley or right. however many Stanley Cup Chicago one. Yeah. So yes, you have to get high picks you have to pick the right guy i think is also the the most important thing yeah i think i think think that's what we're going to come out with all this like i and and we're not saying anything revolutionary like you just have to draft Mm -hmm. well doesn't matter where Mm -hmm. you pick and obviously your chances of uh of uh of uh landing a a star player are higher the higher you pick but there's no guarantees and you can still do do quite well um i've just looked at something this isn't like the perfect way to look at it but you know i looked at um uh average games played for for each pick right and mm-hmm. one through seven uh you have a you have a pretty good chance of uh the average the average uh, games played is in the 600 uh 700s right uh the number one pick is is it is an average of 830 games played this is a uh, all number one picks from 1969 to 2022. So obviously it's also weighed these newer picks haven't played as many games, but, um, but anyway, though, you know, the takeaway that I get from this is that of course it's, of course, ideally you want the number one pick. You want the, the no brainer pick. Right. Um, but if you don't end up with it, you can still do quite well in other places. As long as like you mentioned, you draft intelligently and you pick uh, Jonathan Taves instead of a Kyle Oposo or something like that. Yeah. So I don't know what to rule this one. I mean, I, I remember those Chicago teams being really, really. Bad. I mean, it's a tank. I oh. mean, they have the pink. Look, Patrick, Patrick Kane. So. <laughs> yeah, but I, 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 really... I can give that one. I can give that one. Yeah, they got first overall. It kind of feels like a tank. The the, um, the point is also but... too is that there's many ways to do it. So yes, tanking is yeah. can be a valid way of trying to build sure. a winning team. I'm not saying that it can't be, but I'm I guess overall yeah. trying to say that it's not the only way. Yeah, and you you still got to get your Duncan Keith in the second round, mm-hmm. and you got to draft sure. or you got to sign your um, 
Bufflins and your your get your hosts and sharps and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. You have to bring these guys in and make a winning team. Yeah, so you, you always have to trick, uh, trick another GM into a stupid trade like uh, mm-hmm. Patrick Sharp for. I think I looked at it I was like Matt Ellison. Who's <laughs> so you know? Good job. All right, Matt. <laughs> good job. All right, so three to uh, two. Yeah. Three to Blackhawks. two. Um, no tank versus tank. It's three to two. Twenty eleven Bruins is our next one. Right, and this, this one, yeah. Obviously, you have Tyler Sagan, like I mentioned, but and I actually I, I didn't have time to look back on this, but uh, I don't know how the Bruins ended up with the number two pick because um, they the Bruins that year, the 2009 10 Penguin, I'm sorry, Bruins and Sagan was the 2010 draft pick. Um, yeah, that was the Kessel draft. Trade. Yeah, um, anyway, um, um, it could have, yeah, maybe, maybe that was, yeah, like you know what, I think you're right. I think that was the case. I think it was a trade, yeah, for that, was, that was that was Kessel. I think that was that was supposed to be Toronto's pick, anyway. Um, mm-hmm. so that Bruins team was a great team. So they just lucked into being able to draft Tyler Sagan. Uh, but yep. Sagan wasn't a big part of their championship team. Like I mentioned, Sagan, number two overall pick, 2010 draft. He played 10 minutes a night in the playoffs. You know, those are important, but those are not uh, as, you know, he wasn't a, a top six player. He wasn't a top four or forward. He wasn't a top four defenseman. And so no. the guys that I, I want to look at, the guys who are sort of the uh, um, the the lead players on this 2011 Bruins Stanley Cup team, uh, David Krejci, a 63rd overall pick. Nathan Horton, who was a top pick back in the day, but he was acquired via trade. Uh, Milan Lucic uh, was the 50th pick. Patrice Bergeron, obviously, the 45th pick. Brad Marchand, the 71st pick. Zdeno Chara, 56. Dennis Seidenberg, 172nd. Andrew Ferentz was the 208th pick. Uh, Johnny Boychuk, the 61st. Also, actually, I didn't look back. Chara actually wasn't drafted by the Bruins anyway. A lot, actually, a lot of these, I, I think uh, uh, most of his defense wasn't drafted by the Bruins. And then Tim Thomas, their goalie. Uh, was a, a UFA signing, I believe. Um, and so, anyway, this is definitely not a team that you know tanked its way to 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 uh, to a cup. No, they lucked into getting Sagan, and he didn't even really play. I remember that playoffs. I think he was even scratched a game or like on the fourth line a, a lot of times. Um, it wasn't like Sagan really like it was kind of like cool that Tyler Sagan was coming into the league and doing well but it wasn't like he was carrying that team at all i don't think they really needed him in that playoffs to be honest yeah 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 so So, yep four to two four to two um no tank versus tank um is where we're at so next one is um the team that shall not be mentioned the 2012 (laughs) los angeles kings what do you have to say about the kings shang um, so this one looks like a tank team because obviously they had Drew Doughty, the number two pick of the 2008 draft. Um, mm-hmm. But um, and I was a Kings fan back then, guys. So I, I know they weren't trying to trying to tank for the Doughty pick um, that uh, 2007-08 season uh, before the 2008 draft. Um, that offseason, Dean Lombardi, who is also Sharks fans will know that's not a guy that's tanking. Um, anyway, uh, Dean Lombardi, uh, he signed and these are all, you know, might just be names to you guys now, but these are all pretty good players back then. Not, no superstars, but all good players. Obviously, uh, they signed Brad Stewart as a free agent, so obviously Sharks fans know him. But Ladislav Nagy, uh, Kyle Calder, uh, Tom Pricing, uh, Michael Hanzus, who also played for the Sharks. But these are all, you know, again, no superstars, but all good players. And so Dean Lombardi was not trying to tank. 
it just so happened that the 2007-08 Kings team, uh, all those, you know, most of those guys did not do well on on that team, <laughs> and uh, most of them didn't last. Only guy that lasted on that Kings team was Hanzus eventually for a few years there. But anyway, though, um, uh, so it just didn't work out. You know, best laid plans, right? And so anyway, you look at the rest of the team and how it was built. Obviously, you have Dowdy number two pick, but Kopitar was the 11th. Brown was the 13th. Uh, Loinoff uh, was the 32nd second round pick. Jonathan Quick was the 72nd pick. Uh, Carter, Richards, Williams, Stoll, Green acquired via trade. Uh, Mitchell and Scuderi were 30-something UFA signings. And so sure. I don't think, even though, yes, they did have that number two pick, but they just... A lot again, a lot of times, and you're gonna find this uh, uh, um, in even more examples. You just sort of stumble into uh, that uh, that that high pick. Um, you know, your best laid plans go awry, <laughs> and you end up yeah. with it. Doesn't it's not so bad because uh, you're trying to win and it doesn't work, and hey, you end up with a number two pick and Drew Pow and Drew Dowdy instead. Yeah, it's a an interesting one, also because I think that was also the year that they weren't that good in the regular season, right? They that were, was like yeah. the, they, they finished like almost borderline not making the playoffs in the Western conference. I'm pretty sure they that were was that a- year. AC. They were the AC that year. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's the year that like, it really was just kind of a miracle run on top of a good team that was coming around and drew Dowdy. Um, but uh, I don't think I watched the Kings during that time. So I'm going to default to you because you might've watched the Kings. Oh yeah. I watched a lot no of those thing. off. I mean, I, I know that uh, that's a Stanley Cup uh, 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 run that doesn't that uh, shall not be named on this show, uh, San Jose Hockey Now podcast. But um, as a Kings fan, though, I endured some 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 tough tough years, um, and so yeah. the Mark Crawford era and a lot mm-hmm. of really bad Kings teams, mediocre mediocre or just awful uh, Kings teams, and so they yeah it was it was not a sight to behold, and I. I, I beheld every game. So. <laughs> Do you want to call it no tank or tank? No, it's definitely not a tank because again, they, right. they didn't, uh, Dean Lombardi wasn't trying to get the number two pick. He was trying to build a team yeah. that would uh, be competitive and uh, they just ended up, you know, uh, you know, being terrible. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like nice. Mike Greer this, 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 this past year, try to build yeah. a team that was competitive and maybe some of the analytics show that they were competitive, but they didn't put, they didn't put up the wins. And so they ended up with a number four pick and weren't that far from the number one. And so, yeah. yeah. So five to two, uh, 2013, we are at the Chicago Blackhawks. Again, this is just going to be Hawks Kings, Hawks yeah, Kings. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so that was one we give, we give, we give to the tank because obviously Kane is still a big yep. part of the team. Uh, but then sure. the other players that were a big part of it were, you know, added along the side, which is what uh, uh, contenders uh, do to kind of uh, stay relevant. Uh, Johnny Adulio yep. was acquired by trade. Uh, Michael Roosevelt who was UFA, and then they they made uh, 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 smart draft picks with later picks. Corey Crawford was the fifty second pick, and uh, Brandon Saad was uh, forty three. Yeah, they uh, continued to their window. I'm going to call it five to three. That sure. they, they yeah, no, definitely. You, 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 yeah, because of Kane. So, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. 2014 Kings. Same thing. We're calling same, it no Same tank. thing. Yeah. I mean, again, the, the key additions to the 2012 Kings, uh, obviously trading for Marion Gabrick, who obviously he was yeah. a high pick back in the day, but they traded for Marion Gabrick at, at a discount price. Uh, um, mm-hmm. And then Jake Muzzin uh, was a big part of that team, uh, but he was a 
drafted by the Penguins a long time ago, but the Penguins didn't sign him. Um, actually, Tim Thomas, I looked it up. He was signed. He was drafted by the Quebec Nordiques a long time ago, but the Nordiques didn't sign him. And so, uh, so both of them were uh, were uh, you know uh, for free agent signings after after they weren't uh, signed by their original team. Yeah. So that calls it at uh, six to three because um, we're calling it no tang. Um, also, 2014 Kings should have never happened because of the whole reverse sweep thing. And like, <laughs> you know, it was, you know, it just it shouldn't have been there. Any, anyway, um, so shouldn't have blown a 3-0 three... lead is what <laughs> is what, what I would say. And also say to Vegas, uh, Vegas fans, too, <laughs> don't, um, don't blow a 3-0. So that's your fault. Yeah, don't blow a 3-0 lead. Um, <laughs> The next three winners are all previous winners. Hawks, Penguins, and Penguins, 15, 16, 17. We've called all of these tanking teams before. Sure, and that's perfectly fine. Yeah, so yeah, Kane so and... We're stuck uh, at uh, yeah. six to six out of Ooh, those three. I mean, there, there was... Six, six, exciting, okay. Yeah. Riveting. Yeah, they, like you were going <laughs> to mention that the 2016 Penguins um, still built around Crosby Malkin, but they traded for Bill Kessel in the meantime. That's part of it. And then Matt Murray, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Matt Murray kind of like emerged as the goaltender of the future, but not really because he won two Stanley Cups and then. Well, the goaltender of now, him. but not of the future, obviously. Yeah, it's goaltender of then and then <laughs> gone somewhere else, uh, many places around the league afterwards. But yep. it's six to six headed into the 2018 uh, Capitals, which was one of my favorite Stanley Cup victories of all time, I think. And yeah, I'm going to, I might get some argument about this, but. Um, uh, so obviously Ovechkin was the number one pick, but I don't consider that a tank year because looking looking back at the, that's the 2003-04 Capitals team, and mm-hmm. that team still had a lot of great players. Um, it had Yager, it had Robert Lang, Sergei Gonchar, Peter Bondra, uh, Olaf Kolzig in net. Uh, Mike Rur was on that team too. Um, and looking back at the hockey news, I think the hockey news have them as uh, eighth in the East. And so this doesn't look to me like they're trying to, uh, they're, they're trying to tank for Ovechkin. Just things blow mm-hmm. up in your face and you end up with the number one pick. So awesome. Right. And all there's the rest of the team to the rest of that, uh, 20, uh, 2018 capitals team. Um, you do have Backstrom, who is the fourth pick of the 2006 draft, but that's after the Capitals. You can say maybe the Capitals did bottom out uh, after they drafted Ovechkin. 2005-06 team, Capitals team, wasn't a very good team around Ovechkin, and so they landed with the number four pick there. So, so we can you can you can you can give that one to uh, uh, um, to uh, to 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 tanking to some degree but i'm still going to stick with ovechkin uh, as the, the linchpin guy obviously and that was not uh that was not a tank other guys other key parts of the team uh you have uh brayden holtby 93rd pick uh, john carlson the 27th pick matt niskanen was the ufa dmitry orloff was 55th uh evgeny kuznetsov was 26th and uh tj uh, oshi was a ufa so i'm gonna go no tank on this team or no tank yeah, on Ovechkin. <laughs> yeah, no tank on Ovechkin. Then they they were really, really, really bad afterwards. They but were really bad. It also, in like 12, yeah. twelve years later, <laughs> that they win the cup. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Caps like went through this cycle of just like rotating in everybody to try and get a, a, a sure. winner out of it. And I don't know. It feels like the 
magic of, I mean, like Ovechkin and, and Baxter were making like, you know, $10 million a piece. I mean, I think Baxter was making like six or something, but like they weren't cheap. They weren't like rookies that are on their ELCs or cheap deals. That's why they won the cup kind of thing. Sure. sure. And, you know, it's so long afterwards, they rotated through so many guys and they were so competitive for so long. Yes, they did have to be bad to get Ovechkin, even though they were good the year before, and they had to be really bad to get Backstrom. But, like, again, if they draft um, Derek Broussard instead of Nick Backstrom, then this never happens, and it's not even a conversation point. So Right, 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 right. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. And, and so, yeah, I, I think, too, you make a good point, too, that the Capitals were – this is not a team that that – that even if Ovechkin was a tank job, they, they didn't get the immediate dividends, at least in terms of mm-hmm. uh, the, the the big payoff of the Stanley Cup, like right, like the Penguins did, you can argue, and even the the Blackhawks, there wasn't too much, mm-hmm. you know, turn. Uh, they, they 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 there wasn't too much turnaround time from drafting Kane to winning a Stanley Cup. Um, but Capitals obviously aren't are not an example of that because they just had to keep grinding and trying to find the right pieces around Ovechkin and eventually they were able to land the, the right combination, but it sort of was a, was a magic thing because after that year, they've been kind of a first round fodder or out of the playoffs. So. Yeah. They've been kind of like just mediocre ever since. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's what they really needed to, it's, it's like they, they missed uh, their opportunities in like the 2010s time period right. where their caps were really, really good. And they got knocked out by like uh, Montreal, I think in that second round where Yaroslav Halak was, it was amazing. I think it was 2010 or 2011. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, they just, you know, they couldn't put it together. I'm going to call it no tank only because it took so long for them to win the cup, even though they didn't have Backstrom and Ovechkin. So yeah, seven to seven to six is where we're at. Okay. And we're almost to the present day. 2019 yep. blues is the next one. And so their, their big uh, high pick was Alex Petrangelo. And that was in a, that was the Dowdy year. So uh, 2008. And mm-hmm. um, again, I don't consider this because I, I look at that blues team. They ended up 30, uh, 33, 36 and 13, which doesn't sound that bad. It's close to 500, but that somehow it still ended up fourth worst in the league. So I don't know, parody or whatever. Right. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, yeah. And uh, that team was picked by the hockey news at the beginning of the season to be a ninth place team. So not, not again, not a team that was, was breaking everything down. Had a lot of veterans on the team, at least at the beginning of the season, uh, Paul Correa, Keith Kachuk, Doug Waite, um, Eric Brewer, Jay McKee, down the line, guys like that, right? And so, again, a team that desolate plans, and you end up with the uh, number four pick. Uh, otherwise, the rest of that team is built uh, in a lot of different ways, but, you know, Jordan Bennington, Colin Pareko, Jay Bowmeister, uh, Ryan O'Reilly, um, Shen, uh, Braden Shen, Vladimir Tarasenko, David Perron, Jaden Schwartz. Again, there are no top 10 picks in here. Bowmeister was, but this was, you know, Bowmeister was, was a top pick long ago with the Panthers. This is the end of Bowmeister's career. Um, but otherwise, though, uh, Bra- oh, Shen too. Shen was a fifth pick, I believe, by the Kings, but he also took the long way to the Blues too. Uh, went from the Kings to the Flyers and I think to the Blues. And so this is not a team that is, you know, built by the tank either, in my opinion. So I would say no to... <laughs> To yeah, the it's blues. also a miracle run, right? It's like feels like the 2012 yes. Kings, where yes. they they were really bad throughout halfway through the year, and then took off. And mm-hmm. um, um, also, 
this was the Stanley Cup for the Sharks, so uh, <laughs> that the the Blues have robbed from them. No, I'm kidding. It's just it was the last year where the Sharks were kind of competitive, and uh, makes me think of all sorts of bad memories about that playoffs. But uh, so that will be eight to six, I think, in terms of no tank to tank. Yeah. yeah. Um, our next two winners are the Lightning in right. 2021. And this one will be a little controversial because uh, they had back-to-back top picks in Steven Stamkos, the number one pick of the 2008 draft, and Victor Hedman, the number two pick of the 2009 draft. But once again, though, you know, I'm going to go with uh, with the Hockey News' verdict that these teams were not designed to to be tank teams. Mm-hmm. They just ended up they just ended up bad. Um, the uh, the Stamkos year, the 2007-08 Lightning. Uh, we're actually coming off, uh, you know, don't forget the, not that long ago, the, the, the lightning had won a Stanley cup. That's a 2004 lightning. And they still had a lot of group, a lot of players from, 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 from those teams. And so they had, uh, uh, Vanilla Calvier, uh, Martin San Luis, Brad Richards still on, on this team. And so this is not, this is not a team that was designed to tank. Uh, they actually were supposed, um, according to the hockey news, predicted them to be sixth in the East. That's the 2007-08 Lightning that uh, ended up uh, landing um, uh, Stamkos. And the very next year, the Hedman year, the that Lightning team uh, was, uh, let's see... Okay, so tenth, but still not. This is not. This is not a tank job, though, because Lacalvey's on his team, San Luis on this team, and so again, I, I'm not really seeing it. it just uh, best laid plans did not work out, and so I'm. I would not call uh, the the Lightning um, the, those two Stanley Cups kind of the result uh, of that. Just again, result of best laid plans uh, blowing up in your face. So yeah, also a little tough. Because it's, again, like 10 years after the fact or 10, 11 years from when they had those high picks. Um, and they had such good, um, like, later picks throughout. Right, and that's true, a, too, a yeah. Bunch of guys. They had Kucherov, they had Point, and guys that, like, were really kind of carrying that team. Like, I think the 2021, it wasn't Stamkos, like, not really even present? <laughs> or, like... Yeah, not yeah, really no, that's, that's a good point, too, yeah, so... I think he wasn't even... I mean, I, I don't remember the exact details. I don't remember if he was injured or what, but like, I just remember he wasn't a very important factor in that, that team um, to win it. So, and obviously he's, you know, been an important player for them forever, but it wasn't like that's what they built off of was Stamkos's back kind of thing. Right. Um, though, you know, of course, Hedman though was, was indeed uh, um, the result yeah. of, you know, or I'm sorry, he was a big part of those teams. So. Yeah, he was. Um and I do remember those lightning teams. I think they had an issue with goaltending after they got rid of Hobby Bulan, if I remember right. And um, yeah, they had uh, Mike Smith, issue. young Mike Smith in goal, John Graham, I believe too. So, so that, that might've been more of the cause of their woes that led them to, or that was a big part of the woes that led them to these top picks. But again, it wasn't, you know, sort of uh, what you would consider an out and out tank. No, cause it's hard to go from, you know, 2004 stand like a winner to terrible team by 2007 eight. Um, it's hard to do it, especially when you still have Lacavier and St. Louis and yeah, um, Brad Richards. So I don't know, kind of on the fence on this one. 
I think we do one one. What if we did one of them as tank, one is them? No, as no. Because... By the way, no, because you have to either can't claim. I tell you, I don't think. Um, you know, looking looking mm. back, looking back at the rosters that uh, the Stamkos Headman years were again. You know, I think by the rules by that we've we've defined tank, I don't think they tanked. I think yeah. they just were bad, and I don't think they bad, meant yeah. to be bad. So ten to six is where we're at then. Um, with our final two candidates, the Avalanche and the Golden Knights. Let's do the Avalanche first. Yeah, and the Avalanche is going to be actually kind of a mixed bag because you know their their very high picks were uh, McKinnon uh, number one of the 2013 draft, Landis Cog number one of the 2011 draft, and Mikhail Makar number four of the 2017 draft. And actually, you know, looking back uh, on on those years, um, I don't I don't think I would call um, the 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 Avalanche um, uh, from 2010-11. They had made the playoffs the year before, and they just weren't good, and so they ended up with with the Landeskog pick. And then uh, mm-hmm. the year before the McKinnon pick, 2011-12, uh, again they just ended up and and ended 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 up uh, ended up uh, uh, bad because the year before uh, they. Uh, they were they had 88 points and they just missed out on the playoffs. And then the next season they they kind of fall flat on their face and they end up with the number one pick and uh, and and, um, and uh, Nathan McKinnon. Um, the year that led to McCarr though is is I think famous that Colorado actually tried their best to as at least the perception is that they tried their best to lose so they can get the number one pick of that draft. And they ended up losing the lottery, <laughs> um, and losing out, I believe, on uh, on on uh, Heisher, right? And Heisher yep. or Patrick, and uh, yep. and and the loss on those guys. But then, but then, of course, they ended up uh, with uh, Kale McCarr number four, which is uh, uh, more than a consolation prize. Uh, he would be probably mm-hmm. the consensus. Uh, number one of uh, of, uh, of 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 uh, that uh, that draft. Um, so yeah, so so I'm gonna uh, so I'm gonna give that one more on the on, on the tank side. I would say uh, that particular uh, that that particular uh, uh, avalanche team that lets him a car. And so okay, so you know you you have one guy that's a big part of it. Then then yeah, then then, yeah, then, I then think you we kind of nod for the tank it. there. I think we have to give it to the tank. Yeah. They they were bad a lot of those years and uh, when you have two number one overall picks and you got McCarr at 4 before that they had Matt Duchesne at 3 even though he wasn't part of that team that like they were bad for a couple of years there. Um and then he had some good years a few times in there but like they were bad. I'm going to give him the tank. Okay. I think 10-7 is the is the the count right now. And our our last team which will Definitely not be a tank because it would be hard to tank when you have never not made the play. No, no, one year they did one not year, make the but yeah. Um, the Golden Knights in 2023. Yeah, so there's no point. Yeah, that. yeah. Uh, obviously, Jack Eichel was the number two pick a long time ago, but they traded for him. So yeah, they traded for him. They traded for everybody. They signed everybody. They either acquired them through the expansion draft. What, what was their only draft pick that really played? Nick Hague? Uh, was there Second only pick actual? Too. Yeah, second round pick Nick Hague was there really their only draft pick that was on that team. So and obviously their team was built in a weird way too, where they were gifted very good players in expansion draft like uh, you know Theodore and William Carlson mm-hmm. and Riley, you know all the guys that kind of came came through that or because that. of the expansion draft. So all right, so final count for Stanley Cup winners is eleven 
no tanks with some like questionable ones in there that may have t been bad for a while and seven um definite tanks is what we're calling it something like Which, that it goes to show like yes some of them were tank jobs but not every single one and and honestly in our, our thing the majority were not they just were teams that were bad at the right time and picked the right player right kind of thing Right. So. And that may well happen with this Sharks team. You know, uh, uh, they signed some players that are intriguing, but this is not a team. I mean, I think most people would, would predict them to be. They're definitely one of the favorites for the number one pick. But uh, if they end up with the number one pick, if we did the same exercise years later and Macklin Celebrini has uh, led the Sharks somehow to, to, to a Stanley Cup championship, uh, we I don't think we're going to look back at the 2023-24 season as, oh, they tried to tank. They tried to... Uh, you know, they, 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 uh, uh, yeah, they, 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 they gained the system to get that number one pick. No, they, they tried within the restrictions of their salary cap within sort of, uh, their, uh, just, just what was reasonable for them and sort of where the franchise's health is, you know, where it's not a year where, um, just for example, right. Like, um, all their all their signings and trades kind of make sense because they're all these short term ones. They're not trading for say a, a, a William Nylander and then signing him to an eight year contract because that makes zero sense for for where the franchise is right now. Uh, same with letting Timo Meyer go is the same concept where the guy was entering his prime, but um, the Sharks are not in sort of a prime contention spot, so the timelines aren't aren't meeting there, and so. Yeah, I I, uh, I I think we're gonna look back on on the Sharks team, um, whatever happens, whatever pick they get, and you know, be it the be it the number one or you know they play better than expected, but um, not a tank team though. Yeah, and we're gonna get to just some teams that um, were good, but um, or working like perennial contenders, but yeah. didn't win the cup here in a second. I think it, I want to make an interesting point or what I think is an interesting point. Um, a, a team like Buffalo um, has been, obviously they traded Jack Eichel away. Mm -hmm. They've been pseudo tanking for like a decade. They've and definitely had the McDavid year, a McDavid Eichel year. That was a pretty transparent, mm -hmm. uh, you know, tank. Yeah. yeah. But even before that, they started, they started tearing that thing down. They've had 10 top 10 picks since 2013, including, mm -hmm two second overall picks and a first overall pick. Right. And they still have not made the playoffs 10 top 10 picks in a decade. And they still have not made the playoffs in that, yeah. that, that time period. So it just like, I don't know when you really tear it down and those like 2015 teams, when they wanted to get McDavid, they were the worst team that was in the NHL for a long time. Yeah. Really, really. And let's bad. acknowledge McDavid and the Oilers and they were bad for a long time. And now they are yeah, actual sure. contenders. Um, so there's mm -hmm. a flip side to it. And again, we're not obviously high picks are good. Like, sure, no, no one's arguing that 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 point. But again, though, like winning teams are built more than uh, on just on just high picks and tanks. So that's yeah. overall the what we're getting at here. I think you really have to pick the right player and be in the right position at the mm -hmm. same time. Um, you know, because again, ten top ten picks by the Sabers and no playoffs for ten years. Uh, or 12 years, whatever long it's been, not to pick on the papers or anything like that. And and similar thing with Arizona, like they have like so many top 10 picks in the past, um, you know, 10, 15 years. And there's, they've made, on the, made the playoffs on and off, but not really have gone yeah. any kind of distance with it. So, um, 
either way, let's talk a little bit about um, some of the non-winners, and then then we'll get out of here and get to the Mario Ferraro interview. But um, first one we're going to talk about is the uh, the Anaheim Ducks post their uh, bunch of dudes from the '90s Cup win, and that would be like the 2015, 2017, both of which made the Western Conference Finals. Stanley or Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, and just to bring it back to the original point, the reason why we're going to talk about some of these teams is that once again, you know, I think a GM's job is actually Jim shop isn't to win a Stanley Cup. That's like if everything works out, you win that Stanley Cup. But it's more just to build a team that's in that conversation regularly, and you may not win it, but you build a team that's good enough to win it, and that's all you can do. You know, you you build the best team you can. And then hope that you get, you know, you get lucky basically. And so um, anyway, so you do that. If Mike Greer does that, like Doug Wilson did, I think Sharks fans should be very satisfied, even if it doesn't end with the Stanley Cup. Um, but anyway, so uh, these Duck teams, 2015-2017, uh, 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 they again, they stand out as teams that weren't built by high, high picks. And I don't, I'm not, I didn't look into the, the kind of the, um, the, the like they have one high pick here, Hampus Lindholm, who's the sixth pick. I didn't look into uh, um, uh, that year if Anaheim quote unquote tanked or whatever, right? But you just look at this team, and I don't think this is a team that that is sort of built in 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 that in in that way. You know, the key players on this team uh, gets off Perry that we mentioned, 19th and 28th picks of the 2003 draft. Ryan Kessler was acquired via trade. Uh, Ricard Raquel. Uh, who was a bigger part of the 2017 team. He was a late first-round pick. Uh, Jakob Silferberg, uh, acquired via trade. Uh, Boschman came back, trade. Uh, I mentioned Lindholm, uh, Sammy Vatnin, the 109th pick. Uh, Cam Fowler was a high pick, but not that that high. He was the 12th pick. And then a goaltender. Sure. He had two different goalies for these teams, uh, Frederick Anderson, the 87th pick, and John Gibson, uh, the 39th pick. And so again, uh, not, not, not a team that, uh, um, some bounces, right. They beat the, they, they, they beat the Blackhawks in 2015. And we're, we take one of Patrick Kane and the Hawks, uh, tank <laughs> quote unquote championships off the board. And that's part of the point that you just build a team that's right there. That's competitive. And you just kind of hope for the best. Yeah. It's, and, and they were good before, but then, you know, now they've kind of gone through that that downswing where I don't think they're tanking necessarily because they actually have been doing some strange moves to try and remain competitive. Yeah. But they are in a downswing, um, and they um, have some good high picks. And you know, it's hard to say that even now that they're tanking, tanking because they're kind of like in this middle ground kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, so next one would be the um, the Bruins that we'll talk about, which Bruins had the 2011 run, and they kind of just been good ever since. They right, had the right, uh, right. 2013 Eastern Conference Finals, 2019 Stanley Cup Finals, um, but a team also not really built on the tank still, even to yeah. this day. Yeah, and I want to emphasize, like, yeah, they of course all these teams have Stanley Cup Finals or Stanley Cup championships to 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 lean on that they could talk about, yeah. uh, unlike the Sharks, right? <laughs> but uh, but nonetheless, though the Bruins, right after they won the 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 championship in 2011, but 2013, 19, just looking at some of some of the guys, right? And some of the guys we've already mentioned, right? Um, 
uh, Bergeron, Lucic, uh, Krejci, Marshawn were later picks. Uh, Pasternak, a big part of the 2019 final team. He was the 25th pick. He was a first-round pick, but a late sure. one. Uh, Charlie yeah. Coyle, a former Sharks first-round pick, also uh, was acquired via trade for the Bruins, but he also uh, was a late pick uh, back, in the, back in the day. And then you look at their defense. We already talked about Chara, Seidenberg, Ferentz, and Boychuk. A big part, another big part of the the uh, the uh, 2019 Bruins was obviously Tory Krug, but that guy he was a NCAA free agent. And then mm-hmm. uh, if you look at their goaltending, uh, Tuka Rask, who was acquired via trade, but he also was a later first round pick by the Maple Leafs back in the day. And so again, definitely not a team that I would say that is uh, built by their high picks or their, or, you know, the Bruins are, are probably the best example of a team that and right now, you know, they're sort of the modern day uh, Sharks or Dev, Lou Lamarillo's Devils or uh, the sure. the Red Wings, you know, in terms of just sustaining the success, you know, year after year. And of course, you know, they're kind of facing their toughest test now, the losing uh, with Bergeron retiring, especially. So, you know, I'm not yeah. know if it's going to last too much longer for them, but it, it has been a great run. Yeah, it's um, it does feel kind of like the the cupboard is kind of run bare, and yeah, um, we'll see. Without a lot of center depth there, it's kind of an issue. But they Bruins fans know all about that. Like they've been told that ever since like Bergeron turned to like thirty two, they were like, oh, "Who's going to be your center? What you, what's going to happen next?" Kind of thing. Um, so we'll see. Maybe they'll pull a rabbit out of their hat somewhere and and trade for somebody that's um, going to fill their their center depth for the next decade or something like that. Right. They do still have some good pieces there. Anyway, um, next one would be the uh, Carolina Hurricanes also have a previous Stanley Cup, but a long time ago. Um, They made the Eastern Conference Finals in 2019, the 23 Eastern Conference Finals, um, and poised to make a pretty good run this year, it looks like at least. Um, Yeah, yeah. They're a team that's been in the playoffs for the last five years, and they look like a team that just is – going to be good for you know for uh for for a long time kind of mm-hmm. and um you know if, if their team even if they may end up being the sharks of this era where you know very good looking team but they may not come out with any championships but you can't really fault how they've been built i mean look at um okay so to put the name rattle off some of their key players and how these guys were acquired uh and these are two different hurricanes teams four years apart so some of these names you know matter more for uh one edition of the hurricanes as opposed to the other but uh, sebastian aho uh was a second mm-hmm. round pick 35th uh terrible terror vinen was acquired via trade jordan stall also via trade, Justin Williams was a much older UFA. Um, Mark, uh, Martin Neches uh, was a 12th pick. Seth Jarvis, a 13th pick. High picks, but not, again, not the, sure. the tank variety picks, right? Like, you know, again, you know, if, if you're going for the tanking line with a 12th pick, that's all you just hear complaining all over the place, right? But <laughs> if obviously, if you pick well, uh, that 12th pick can be better than your number one pick. Uh, but anyway, uh, so their one high pick was Savechnikov, uh, Andre Savechnikov, but uh, that came in a year, 2017-18, uh, where the Hurricanes were a 500 team, not, not a team that really looked like it was sure. it was tanking. And you look at the rest of the the, the key players from these two conference finals teams. Uh, Slavin was 120th pick. Falk, Justin Falk was the 37th pick. Uh, Brett Pesci was a 66th pick. And then a lot of trades. Uh, Dougie Hamilton was acquired via trade. Brent Burns, obviously, from the Sharks. And Brady Shea. 
was uh, also acquired via trade. And finally, their goaltenders, uh, Peter Mrazik and Frederick Anderson, both UFA signings. And so, again, uh, not a team that is uh, not a power that that is that, that has been built, uh, even though they have Svechnikov. But overall, though, not a power that's been built consistently uh, by uh, trying to be, well, you know, as bad as possible. No, and, and they also... I think the um, the interesting comparable here is that like Raleigh is a um, not like a traditional hockey market, and they probably and, and I've been to the um, I've been to the Raleigh Arena, I mm-hmm. visit Raleigh all the time. It's a great city, and I just don't think it's very hockey focused, and it, it feels like the Sharks kind of have, have said this in the past, whether the market in San Jose doesn't really constitute a rebuild and they want to remain competitive. So mm-hmm. I feel like Raleigh is kind of a similar thing where they want to be competitive just because they want fans to go to the game. And if they have to sit through a very, very long rebuild, it might not uh, attract them for very long kind of thing. And one thing I want to oh. add too about uh, the Svechnikov pick uh, that 2008 draft lottery, the, the Svechnikov draft lottery, uh, they jumped up. Mm-hmm. They won the lottery and jumped up nine spots. Sure. So, yeah, that so that that's not really that's, they it. weren't they weren't trying to tank to to get Svechnikov. Yeah. They just lucked out. Yeah, and they 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 mm-hmm. uh, they they won the lottery. I think that's the uh, Rasmus Dahlin draft. So, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, and he was a great consolation prize in that draft. He yeah, he looked absolutely. ready for jumping into the NHL like really quickly. Uh, just from his draft uh, year, he was pretty ready. <laughs> um, anyway, so they, I think they're just a team that's that's made really, really smart moves, and and they had a couple of yep. high picks, but not um, too too many. And uh, obviously, the the whole Aho thing with Montreal, and then <laughs> getting Kokinami back is is interesting. But yeah, not a tank team, just somebody that's or a team that's really built out from. Um, just good drafting mm-hmm. overall. Next one is an interesting one because they're kind of an enigma uh, in terms of how are they this good every year, but also how are they this good at drafting every year in, in terms of their recent draft? But this will be yep. the star, uh, mm-hmm. the Dallas Stars 2020 Stanley Cup final. Uh, I think that was the bubble year. Was that right? Yep, it was. Yeah. Um, and then the 2023 uh, Western Conference finals, Dallas Stars. Um, with our uh, beloved former shark, Joe Pavelski at the right. helm. Or so you have a signing, right? And one guy I want to get out of the way because everyone's going to say, oh, he's skinning, right? Uh, number three pick of the 2017 draft. Sure. Awesome player. Um, redraft goes right behind McCarr probably, right? Um, but mm-hmm. again, actually, the Dallas Stars won the lottery that year too. They, uh, they, were, uh, they had the eighth worst record and they jumped to number three. Yep. And so again, you know, this is uh, this is this is their sole kind of top top pick, you know, that that has that has uh, kind of uh, that they drafted that 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 they've built their team around. Now, otherwise, uh, Jamie Ben was 129th pick. Uh, Alex Radulov was a big part of the 2020 team uh, UFA signing. Uh, Gorionov, who's gone now from the, from them, was a 12th pick. Uh, Rupe yep. Hints, right, still a great player, was a 49th pick. 
Uh, Tyler Sagan, uh, he's back in the conversation, but he was acquired via trade. Jason Robertson was a 39th pick. So look at that. You know, two of your uh, best young forwards here, Hints and Robertson, right? Second round picks. Uh, then we get the Heeskin in, right? Uh, who I just talked about. Uh, John Klingberg, a uh, long time ago, uh, part big part of the 2020 team. Obviously not a last year's team, but he was 131st pick. Uh, Essa Lindell was a 74th pick. Going to goaltending, uh, Anton Kudobin, who backstopped the 2020 stars. He was a UFA signing. Uh, Jake Ottinger, first round pick, but a 26th pick. So again, a team that's just been built with a lot of smart drafting, a lot of great drafting in tough positions and not, again, not trying to bottom out. Yeah, you get your number one winger, your number one center, your number one goaltender all from like picks 26, 39, 49. And then you also draft like Wyatt Johnston, Maverick Bork, Logan Stankoven, all in like the later round or later sure. back half of the first and second. Like, man, <laughs> stars just really know how to draft on top of also still having, you know, Ben Sagan, Pavelski who are good. Yeah. Um, and that's how they have kind of turned over their team in the past couple of years, but not a tank by any means they no, had high skin like you said again he's they but again he he uh they won the lottery to get him just like the hurricanes with Sebechnikov. yep they just got lucky you um, need luck and, <laughs> yeah for sure yeah you need luck and, and this is also to say that the hurricanes and stars still haven't won the cup with this current core both mm-hmm. of these teams have prior cups but still not with the current core but again though um, you know yeah the whole idea is that you know, if you're Mike Greer, if you're a Sharks fan, you're looking for what kind of team you want to build. You want to build a team, I think, like the Hurricanes, like the Stars that are going It's that's going to contend for a while. You don't want to be a, yep. a flash in a pan contender. You don't want to, like, invest and maybe, like, sign a bunch of free agents and get a year or two out of the team. No, you want to build something that's good for, like Doug did it. You want a team that's good for uh, 5, 10, 15 years, if possible. Yeah, 100%. Got a few more to talk about, and we'll actually get to the Sharks here in a minute yep. um, to round out our episode. But let's talk about the the New York Rangers, which was a team that famously actually said we're going to be bad to all their fans at some point, which is an interesting thing. Then they sent out that letter. Right. Um, but they, um, they made the 2012 Easter Conference Finals, the 2014 Stanley Cup Finals, and the 2015 Easter Conference Finals, um, all in this little short span where the Rangers were pretty good but not good enough to win the cup. Yeah. And uh, that letter, of course, was sent after this run of teams. And this team actually was built in a very interesting way. And again, this is not the the usual way to build a team, but this team wasn't really built with even first round picks, really. You look at some Mm -hmm. of the stars from these three Ranger teams. Brad Richards was a very expensive UFA signing. Uh, Marion Gabrick was, I believe, also a UFA signing. Uh, Ryan Callahan was 127th pick. Derek Stepan was a 51st pick. Martin San Luis was a trade with the Lightning. Uh, Matt Zuccarello was a really uh, uh, great uh, European free agent signing. Uh, Rick Nash uh, was a number one pick a long time ago, obviously, but he was acquired via trade. Uh, Derek Broussard was acquired via trade. Um, looking at their, their fence, uh, uh, Daniel Gerard. Gerard was actually a great story. Uh, AHL UFA, um, kind of like Barkley Goodrow or something like that. Ryan McDonough was acquired via trade. Um, Mark Stahl is the one guy that the Rangers dropped in the first round. That was the 12th. He was the 12th pick of his draft. And then finally, two key defensemen in these uh, Ranger runs, uh, Anton Strawman, who was a UFA signing. Um, Dan Boyle, obviously Sharks fans know him, was a 2015 UFA, or I'm sorry, for the 2015 Rangers team. He was a UFA signing too. Um, and of course, all 
you know, these three teams were held together by Henrik Lundqvist and the 205th pick of, uh, of of his draft. And that's actually a fun question, too, because Pavelski was also 205th pick. So best 205th pick ever. I think uh, those are going to be our two choices. So. Hard, to, hard to say. Oh. <laughs> yeah, really interesting team um, or teams, I should say. Just um, a lot of UFAs. It felt very New York Ranger-ish to, to go after all of these yeah. big UFAs every year to try and make their team get over that hump. Um, but you're right. Not a lot of first-round picks. Definitely not a tanking team. Just, you know, a compilation of a bunch of stars that were pretty close but never mm-hmm. really got there. And I think that's also why they felt comfortable afterwards saying, like, okay, we're going to be bad. Because most of these guys weren't guys that they – invested a lot of draft capital in or invested a lot of uh tra- i mean some of them trade capital obviously but you know a lot of ufas so they could just be like all right we're jettisoning this guy and this guy and this guy yeah um to rebuild yeah. kind of thing so now has it worked out because they've got caco and lafreniere from the two drafts that they were super super bad in who are not super super good well it hasn't worked out well, yet yeah so um, yeah that's yeah, I what mean- i'm saying I mean, these, these kind of Frankenstein teams they built in the 2012 centered or uh, held together by, by the linchpin Lundqvist. Um, those, those are, you know, obviously uh, uh, better results than the, than the Lafreniere Caco teams. Yeah. They haven't really found that linchpin really um, good teams, but really have it. And, and obviously they've had a couple of successful, um, you know, teams and since then, but it hasn't, you know, gotten them too, too far yet. Let's round out the episode with the um, San Jose Sharks, if you've heard of them. Uh, the San Jose Sharks were a perennial contender for many, many years after trading for Joe Thornton. Um, they made the 2010 Western Conference Finals, the 2011 Western Conference Finals, the 2016 Stanley Cup Finals. Um, were the Sharks created by the tank? That's a good question. <laughs> Um, and yeah, you look at, uh, and a good uh, pun. <laughs> uh, you, you, you look at, um, how the team was built the only, I guess, arguable one is, is, uh, Marlowe, who was the number two pick of the 97 sure. draft, but, you know, Joe Thornton was acquired via trade, uh, with pieces that, you know, great, uh, good draft picks by the Sharks, uh, Sturm, Stewart, right. Um, Pavelski, obviously we talked about 205th pick, uh, Lowen Couture was, uh, was, uh, they basically, they traded up for him. So that's, even though he's a high pick at number nine, um, Ryan Clo, 176, uh, well, I'm sorry, 175th pick, uh, Danny Heatley was acquired via trade. Uh, Tom Osterl was a 17th pick. Look at the defense, right? Um, um, Blake, uh, Dan Boyle, Brent Burns acquired via trade. Um, Vlasic was a second round pick, 35th. Uh, Doug Murray was a 241st pick. Um, Justin Braun was a 201st pick. Uh, Paul Martin, UFA signing. And you look at it, they had three different goalies for these three teams. Uh, Nabokov, obviously 219th pick. Uh, Niemi was a UFA signing. And Martin Jones was a first round pick. But yeah, ultimately, no. I, again, I don't think that this team even uh, was uh, even yeah, even. I mean, Marlowe is the only one that you would argue because looking back at the team, the the, the Sharks team that um, that led to the Marlowe pick wasn't a particularly a good team. Though they they sure. they they made some look. I'm looking at raw, the, their offseason signings and. Um, 
G, you know, the GM was Dean Lombardi, and um, that's not uh, that's not his mo to to have done that. And uh, that offseason, I'm just drawing some names that you guys might remember, but uh, that offseason before the the Marlow season, before the '96 '97 season, uh, they signed uh, they brought in some 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 pretty good players. Uh, uh, Todd Gill, uh, veteran goalie Kelly Rudy, uh, kind of end of end of his career, but still. Uh, veteran guy there and ally frady who actually was a very good player in, in his prime and so i you know i i'm i i don't think again that, that that's a team that that was trying to be as bad as possible and so yeah so i'm i'm going to also say that uh uh this is a a no a no uh a not really a tank situation yeah they were bad um that year, and then I think the next year they drafted Brad Stewart like third overall or right, second but then, overall. But that definitely was not because uh, that's 97 98. They that offseason yeah. they, they brought in Daryl Sutter as a coach, they sure. they brought in free agents like uh, I think Tony Granado and Bernie Nichols and Marty McSorley. So, 100% that team was not trying to, 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 to they were trying to compete, yeah. yeah. And also, too, that pick I think ended up. Uh, it was it was somebody else's pick. That's why they got the number three pick. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't even their mm-hmm. their pick originally, anyway. So, um, so mm-hmm. uh, so so yeah. So that pick definitely would not come in their consideration. Also, too, talking about something that you mentioned, like you know, uh, Marlowe's pick was ninety seven, and so we're talking thirteen years later to make that you know the co- a, co- a conference yeah. finals trip thirteen years later, and so mm-hmm. it's really not uh, you know sort of. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's 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 tank to win you know in in, in uh, yeah, and that in was never years. even and the other argument is that was never really even doug wilson's mo like yeah it was wasn't never, yeah it wasn't teens and it wasn't doug's yeah you no know, not, not at all he's a trading guy like he he's a he trades for the guys that he wants on his team to win the cup that's always been his way of winning or trying to win a cup um so to call them a, a, a tanking team would be disingenuous i feel um, yeah yeah so, because I mean, the best player was acquired by a trade for you know Brad Stewart and all that, but it's definitely not a tanking team that that led to the Sharks being that good for long. It was just one of the best trades of all time. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of it. Um, but anyway, this has kind of been a rundown of of memory lane for everybody, and and just I think it's important, like you mentioned, a lot of people are worried that the Sharks are going to finish third overall or third worst overall, and because they're not going to get number one or number two, that they're going to be bad for the next 10 years. Or they even end up with a, the, the, a 13th yeah. pick, right? That, or they get the 11th or 12th yeah. or whatever. And the the end of the day is the Sharks are not close to competing. They're going to need a lot of good draft picks that are going to have to pan out. Um, I would have loved if they got Connor Bedard. Yeah. Um, and again, I do feel like Connor Bedard is special. And sometimes these special players really do turn around a team sure. like your, your Patrick Canes, your Sidney Crosby's. Sure. Um, sure. No one is but, disputing. Uh, it's nice to get a high pick. It just, it's, it's not a be not all end one. all, you know, like there's so many ways to build a good team. And my, my final thought, I want to talk a little bit about the sharks uh, this, this year. Right. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think that there's something to be said about, I mentioned, you know, building that culture and I think that's good. And that kind of has an effect that permeates uh, throughout the franchise in the coming years. Um, I want to go back, actually, uh, you know, go back to classic sharks thing. Uh, the 96 and the 97 sharks, right? 96, 97, 97, 98 sharks. Dean Lombardi signed a lot of older free agents. Um, I mentioned some of their names already. Uh, I Gill. 
um, Nichols, McSorley, Granado, uh, guys to you know add leadership, add gravitas to the room. Kelly Rudy, right? Who Patrick Marlowe uh, roomed with his very first year, or lived in uh, in Kelly Rudy's house, right? These guys are really important to establishing kind of a winning culture, I, I think. And those uh, those things aren't always tangible, and they can't always be measured by wins and losses. Um, but maybe to some degree they can be too, because the Sharks uh, from '97, '98 on, they had a I think a five year run where the record you know kept getting better every single year. That culminated in 2002 when they almost made it to the Western Conference Final. And so anyway, um, you know, you know, I, I feel like uh, I feel like a Mike Greer is you know is is doing something akin to that. You know, especially last year when he brought in a uh, Matt Benning and Nico Stern and guys like guys that you know help establish the the the, the culture. And um, you know, this year maybe taking a little more gambles with with these players. You know, not guys so much that you expect to 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 be the leaders uh, of the room like like he did last year. But anyway, um, I think it's important overall to establish that culture and so i think okay so this is what happens in my and, and this is how i see it it's a very simplistic view of seeing it but basically the sharks team is better than expected then i think guys like william acklin thomas bordolo younger players mario ferraro even right uh just 24 right uh, nikolai kanijov um guys like that um they benefit from being on a team that is in a playoff hunt that maybe even ekes out a wild card spot I think that's all very, very valuable for them. And chances are, if the Sharks are good uh, this year or a lot better than expected, it's because younger guys like Willie Mecklin were good or Mayo Ferraro uh, surprised us with a little more offense or Nikolai Kanish, you know, guys like that down the line, younger yeah. guys were, 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 you know, were, were very good. And if the team is bad, then, okay, guess what? You get a high pick. So, <laughs> so it works out kind of either way, I think. And ultimately, yeah. with these picks, whether it's the second pick or the 22nd pick, you just got to draft well. And I know the odds are better with a higher pick, um, but it's not again, it, it's not it's 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 not a it's not it's not so cut and dry that like all you want is that high pick. Damn the rest of the, yeah, roster, the rest of the roster, damn the culture, all that kind of stuff. You know, I don't think it's that yeah. simple. Yeah, I'm sure they the 2012 and 2014 Kings are like, damn, I really wish we had a better pick than Kopitar at 11. It's like, right. no, you got right. Kopitar at 11. Obviously the Sharks had a you chance know? to draft Kopitar. Yeah, exactly. But like one of these, a lot of these picks need to pan out because they cannot all just yep. be top five picks. So these might be the years if we do better than expected that we trial a bunch of players that might be on future rosters or trade them or, or what have you. But, um, and, you know, we might still get somebody slam dunk at the 14th overall pick. Who knows? Like, you know, Seabrook was a 14th overall pick. Right. Like, no, these dudes I mean, that are no, the integral. 17th in pick, yeah. yeah. So don't be, don't be bummed out. I'm a little still bummed out that they didn't get Bedard, but I will get over it eventually, <laughs> probably. But, you know, keep in mind, we had the chance to get Connor McDavid in 2015, and we didn't. I think we were ninth worst in the NHL or something like that. Did I mean, it? It, I, oh, I would argue that the, the <laughs> equation does matter a little more when it's a generational guy like the McDavid, sure. where I, I kind of get the, the tanking more so, right? But, yeah. um, you know, Bedard, I don't know if Bedard is even quite to the McDavid class, right? And mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure Celebrini, I mean, he might end mm -hmm. up being in that Maybe. class, but at this point, he's not considered in, in that class, right? And so, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, like... Um, 
more know, like these, your... these aren't guys to, you know, you know, again, Connor McDavid, I get Sidney Crosby, I get Eric Lindros back in the day. I, I, I get that. Uh, but um, most of, most of your number one picks are, are not, you know, those guys, generational kind of guys. Yeah. Sure. So. Yeah. Most of them are not that level of, of prospects. Some are. Yeah. And then sometimes yeah. it's the fourth guy that gets it. Right. So Kale McCarr. Don't right? fret. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so let's hear from Mario Ferraro um, to end things. And um, I think uh, we've, we've rambled on a long time. So uh, the next couple of weeks, we'll have some coverage of the uh, training camp starting, uh, the rookie face off and, um, and all that. So I hope you all have a good week. Bye. It's fine. Bye. Let's get the, the interview officially going. The most yeah. important question is i got to ask you about Wilder. Such a cute dog today. Tell us all about Wilder. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. He's, uh, yeah, he's a great dog. Um, we, me and uh, McKenna, my girlfriend, we, we, uh, we got Wilder, I think, in uh, March mm-hmm. or February or so uh, at about two months. Uh, he's nine-month-old German Shepherd, long-haired, all black. Uh, yeah, I never had a dog before, so it's it's a little bit of an adjustment. And he's a yeah. big dog, very high yeah, energy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, it is nice, but it's a sense of responsibility that I enjoy, that me and McKenna both enjoy. So um, we love him. He's a cute dog. We're trying to train him and get him a little, little bit more dialed in and, and uh, working on, like, him listening with recall and stuff like that because he is a bigger dog. And I ran into a couple instances where he ran over to other people <laughs> and they were maybe scared for a sec, but I'm like, no, no, he's really gentle. Like, he's a nice dog. Yeah. So he's a, he's a great dog. We got really lucky. Um, but yeah, Wilder, that's just uh, uh, McKenna came up with that name. Yeah, right? where, I, I was going to ask the next question. Yeah, why? You know, where does that come from? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it kind of stuck. Yeah. He's not really that wild. Like, he's yeah. pretty tame. Like, he's, he's pretty chill. So yeah. it, it kind of works out. Like, uh, little tricks you yeah yeah yeah, yeah, dog, yeah, but yeah, no, yeah he's good he's okay. good dog. okay i like that yeah like yeah. it has the um sort of uh the name that makes you think one thing but you know you you, you, yeah. you, you keep the people <laughs> guessing right keep the people yeah, guessing 100 yeah i feel like it's uh it's pretty if i could say this it's pretty badass so yeah, yeah, I like yeah. It. <laughs> you you mentioned that you uh didn't have uh, dogs uh growing up so what kind of you know uh, got you uh, into uh, uh you know getting a dog here uh it was more so McKenna that, that sure. always had dogs, so she, she okay. really wanted one. But I also, we my aunt, uh, she moved away uh, for half a year, up to a year or so. So we took care of her dog while she did when I was about, I don't know, maybe 15, 14 or so, maybe younger. But uh, his name was Hunter, and mm. he was uh, he was like a little wiener dog. <laughs> sure. But he was really cute, and I just enjoyed having him around. So it's like I knew that I would like having a dog around mm. me. They're they're really affectionate and make you feel good when you come home. They always say hi, oh, so sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're never mad at you, which is yeah. which is nice. So it's a pretty good feeling. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's nice to have them around. And uh, I don't know, it's just I knew I would I would like to have a dog. Yeah, so. I was kind of same thing with me. I had a dog, or I just adopted a dog a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and I hadn't had a dog for most of my life for a long time. I had one like when yeah. I was like a kid, right? Mm-hmm. And just sort of like always happy to see yeah. changes in life you yeah know, happier happier with me than my wife is you know <laughs> yeah, right but they're they're always in a good mood right you know? right you can right. have your arguments with your with your partner yeah in there, but you know the dog your dog's always gonna love you exactly even if, yeah, even yeah. if you're mad at him sometimes yeah. so it's good it's a good feeling so i, I saw that uh, uh you were uh you had wilder up with you in ontario so i assume you showed you must have driven then right back right so how long did that yeah that drive was like 
probably 30, it's like 37 total, um, but we split it up. Actually, yeah, yeah. I, I drove two hours to start, went to go see Jumbo at his hometown. Okay. And then, uh, cause he lives like a couple hours from me from yeah. Big City. And then from there was 15 hours, we went to Minnesota mm -hmm. and that was, we stayed, McKenna's family's there. So we stayed there for about seven, seven to 10 days and I did some training there and stuff. Yeah. And then from there, we did it straight, it's like 29 hours. And that was tough. Yeah. That was tough, but I wanted to get it done. We did it in like 33 hours. So we only rested for like two to four hours. Okay. Uh, I have a tent on top. So I, yeah, I yeah, pitch yeah. a tent and rested in a rest area there. Slept for a couple hours and then we kept going. Uh, I just wanted to get back quick. Didn't want to yeah, take yeah. too much time off the school this season. So. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Don't yeah. So that was, that was a long one. Yeah. Well, well, well I mean, I, I learned all this stuff because your youngest uh, plugs, uh, the yeah, YouTube so, is back and full. <laughs> is that back and full effect? Are you going to see some videos? It is. Season? It is yeah. going right now, but I did. So like on the way home, I did do a trip and I kind of talked about that on my channel, but yeah. I did do a trip over three weeks. So that was my three week break was uh, traveling and going to see national parks through Utah, um, went through Colorado, uh, Indiana Dune State Park. Like went to a bunch of different places. So that was more of like the enjoyment side of the travel part. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, you mentioned uh, Jumbo and visiting him now. We're not going to be, most of us aren't going to be lucky enough to ever visit uh, Jumbo's uh, Palatial Estate. So tell us something about his uh, Palatial Estate. And, uh, well, you'll definitely see him around the rink as you yeah, can right. already see him. He's here and, and he, you know, he's, he's in love with the game, right? Yeah. So he, you're always going to see him around the rink somewhere. But uh, no, he's great. Uh, I've always had a good relationship with Jumbo. He's always been so kind and so... Um, you know, he's always invited me in mm -hmm. uh, to spend time with his family or his friends. Like when I went to his hometown, I just feel like I'm, I'm part of his friend group and I grew up with those guys. And uh, it's it's really, really cool. So um, he's just a good friend uh, and it's, it's nice to still be in touch with him. And it's, I'm, yeah, I'm even luckier to, to be able to see him now uh, yeah. every day before um, he wasn't in San Jose. So. Uh, but it's cool. It's definitely yeah. cool. It's a privilege for sure. Yeah. What's well, it like, you know, is he bringing that energy to, to practice? Yeah, he always, the he, captain's he, always, out here. he always does. He always brings the energy. He's giving his tips and pointers too, which uh, we obviously value so much. And um, no, it's, it's, yeah, his energy is always on a high level. Yeah. But you uh, deflected from the, my number one question: Is the, your video channel back? Is it you know? Back, it is back going. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying to stay as consistent yeah. as I can, but it is going again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's there's a gap there. Because of the year, and then the, all of a sudden, all this content got like, two videos. It was in, like yeah. ten days. Yeah. <laughs> it was, there was uh, a little bit of a gap. I didn't really find that time. I didn't know. I wanted to make sure that I was enjoying what I was putting out mm -hmm. and, and make sure I know what I want to put out there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I took some time away but I'm back in there okay yeah. awesome we're well, looking forward to seeing uh, uh, more of that and one of the things I saw in your video is I saw uh, McKenna singing uh, SOB yeah and, right yeah <laughs> but I didn't see you singing though so no no I'm not much for karaoke okay. guy yeah so uh, I, I struggle I, I'm not a great singer okay so I, I try and stay away from the mic Okay. Well, I'm not either. So, I <laughs> mean, can, can you can, maybe at can, some point. yeah? Can you get uh, lured onto the stage? You know, a few pops. You know, get I can maybe mood, I, right? I can uh, I can maybe get lured on there. Okay. I can maybe okay, get okay. What would be your song be? If, uh, if, if Ooh, any? that's a hard that's a hard choice. I might have to get back to you on that. Okay. One, Shanger. I, I'll have to ask you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe our winning song or something. I don't okay. Know. Maybe we can throw that. <laughs> we'll see. Okay. Well, I uh, get to some hockey stuff uh, just to kind of close off here. Obviously, um, uh, the Sharks. You know, uh, tough season uh, last season. Uh, but you know, now you've been here. It's been about two weeks since you've been back in San Jose. You've been working out with a lot of the guys, and a lot of the new guys are coming. So, what are you seeing from from the new guys or some of the younger players too? Just you know, what's sort of exciting you about what you're seeing uh, out there? right now? I think uh, just right off the bat, our relationship, you know, it feels good to come in here and 
uh, already with some of the new guys that I've, I've never met before. We, you know, we're going golfing today yeah. and stuff. And like, we're, we're just, we're, we already feel pretty close. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of smiles around the rink and stuff like that. Like you said, it wasn't a year we wanted last year, but I think that, you know, there's a good balance of having new guys and, and, and guys that are still here that, you know, want to redeem themselves and guys that are, are new coming in that are excited to make a change. So I think that it's a pretty good all around feeling right now. It's, it's, it feels like a fresh start. Um, and I think the room is really excited. There's still a lot of guys that still need to get here. We're still pretty early sure. from, yeah, from yeah. camp time, but it's, it feels good right now so far. Good. And, uh, you know, as a, a alternate captain is, you know, one of the things that you're trying to do is trying to integrate, you know, guys who are just coming in like uh, Mike Hoffman, uh, I saw out there, Leon Gavanka, Giovanni Smith, you know, those guys, you know, trying to get them to go golfing, just get everybody to sort of get to know each other a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, some of those guys are, haven't been in the league for too long and then some of them like Hoffman have been in the league for a while right so they don't they they can they know you know how to how to fit in and stuff yeah, like yeah. that they're not nervous with, with this kind of change and and so they're teaching me a few things here and there about you know getting things going and and taking initiative to do stuff like that and uh, you know that's something that I want to do more of and I think that uh, it's a good start to to have that early bonding time and and um, you know have a have a good relationship not only at the rink but yeah. also away from the rink and stuff like that so I think we got a good group of guys, good character guys that you know um, want that and and uh, look forward to those things. So I think it's important for us. Any of the new guys going golfing today? Uh, me, Hoffman, mm -hmm. and Benny's not new, but yeah, he's yeah, coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, one of our good friends <laughs> taking us to nice. to a course okay. uh, of his. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. One of the things that was said about the team last year is you know uh, obviously again the results weren't what you guys wanted, but uh, it was. Uh, usually a positive you know walking in it was usually a positive atmosphere mm -hmm. the coaching staff obviously helped set that but also too the guys in the room and so mm -hmm. that's you know uh, whatever happens uh, you know on the ice this year like that's something that you're still trying trying to keep up obviously right 100 percent, yeah uh you know i think that our attitude all around is, is going to be um you know will help re reflect uh, you know good performance on the ice if we're you know, if we're negative, it's, it's going to bring out negative results. So I think, you know, being positive is the number one thing. And um, I think that that's something we're going to focus on early on. Uh, and that will, you know, fuel some, some good performance on the ice and hopefully some good success. And what do you see from the young players out there? You know, Eklund, Mukumadulin, and you know, anyone, anyone else kind of catch you? Yeah, or Kavanka, uh, you know, yeah, guys you don't know too well. Yeah, I'm impressed from those guys. Um, you know, I thought Eki looked really good today. He was wheeling out there. He was dishing the puck real well. Yeah, I saw a spinner, Rama, yeah. backhand pass to uh, yeah. Burrows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're they're all they're all uh, you know they're fitting in really well uh, early on. Um, it is it is pre-camp, so we still got some ways to go, but. Um, I mean, I'm excited. These are like little glimpses that you, you know you get you get excited to see from other guys. And a big story, obviously, with the Sharks this summer is Eric Carlson getting traded. And just you know how you know this is one of those things where you guys I think sort of knew it was going to happen, of course, right from the end of the season on. But just like you know, how did you sort of like did you keep up on it? Were you like checking your your phone, like you know, like checking like Elliot Friedman, <laughs> on that kind of stuff, or just you know it was going to happen, it was going to happen. So just anyway, you talk about sort of yeah, just how you handled that, and also just. Anyway, just, you know, Eric, you know, a guy that was, you know, liked in the room and whatnot, just, you know, missing him. And obviously important on the ice, too. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's something that if it's going to happen, it's, it's kind of out of our control as players. Uh, I think we're more so uh, guys are, are texting Eric yeah. than, than looking at, at sure. the tweets from Elliot Friedman. <laughs> um, you know, obviously we have that relationship with him, but he had a lot of success last year and he, he had a lot of, 
awards coming his way. So there were text messages and, and congratulations that were sent his way. Um, we we're also proud of him. But at the end of the day, uh, that kind of stuff we can't really control. Um, it is, it's it's unfortunate, right? Like any any teammate losing losing a teammate that you've had for a few years now, and, and uh, such a great player like Carl that you know not only myself but everyone in the room has learned from over the last uh, few years or whoever's played with them for a longer extended period of time like uh it's it's never easy to see yeah. someone go but um it happens and uh it's something that we kind of have to look forward and and see how you know we can help uh help our team get better uh, despite losing such a such a great player uh such a great asset and just a couple more for you your time's okay yeah okay. yeah awesome uh so obviously uh losing uh, eric uh there's a lot more weight for uh, a lot of ice time, obviously, but also you guys have to take on more responsibility, more weight. And I know for yourself over the last couple of years, um, you know, I think there's been sort of a mix of you wanted to do more, but sometimes maybe you're trying to do too much. You're doing things that aren't like kind of your game. And so anyway, so where's that balance this year just for you? Like what do you want to add, but then also what do you want to kind of uh, uh, not overextend yourself in a way? Yeah, I, I think you, you know, you pretty much said it. Like, I just want to focus on on playing my game and and doing what you know I do best for this team. Um, that's something that the Sharks want from me as well. Uh, I don't. I'm not focused on uh, trying to be a different player. Uh, I just want to be the best at, at the things that I bring, and um, that's the main that's the main focus for for me this year. I think that it's up to uh the management and stuff like that for them to put the pieces in in place and, yeah. and for us to just do our job and go out there and, and, and play good hockey and um i trust that from from them above and and uh they got to be able to trust me that i'm going to go out there and do my job so that's what i'm focused on mm.